It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Can I just say, first of all, I hate, hate that play from Caleb Martin. That is so incredibly frustrating that they called that a common foul. If you did that on a court anywhere in the world, it would take immense self-control and countenance from the rest of the people on the court to make sure there wasn't a fight after that. Any ref who's refed at any level... Anybody who's watched a basketball game at any level, and especially at the lower levels, you see when the person goes crazy and they make a beeline and you're like, oh, they're going to do something really stupid, really dangerous. You can see it a lot with like aggro guys. They get frustrated. So they start like doing like UFC chokeholds on ball handlers and stuff. Caleb Martin, very clearly with super aggressive intent, chased down Scotty Barnes, pushed him in the back, and then swung over the top and just blew him up into the stands. A huge explosion of a drink, maybe popcorn, and they called it a common foul. First of all, the fact that Scotty was able to finish that dunk, you know, a a great testament to his, his athleticism and his length. The fact that he didn't get up swinging at Caleb Martin a, a testament to his, you know, self-control. Because, man, I know a lot of people who would, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And you can see there are imagined slights, actual small, dirty plays that generate way more aggressive responses than what happened to Scotty Barnes here. And the NBA, your referees, whoever's in the, you know, the booth making the calls on this kind of stuff, How are you going to let this slide? A player is never more vulnerable than when they are in air. And this wasn't even like a guy trying to get a tag or coming late on, you know, you know, a lob or something like that or meeting him in the air. He tracked him down, ran full speed from behind. And the first contact he made was his hand on Scotty's back. It is so dangerous. And if the NBA wants to protect their guys, protect them in their most vulnerable state, in air, like that. No contest on the ball. Nothing. Just right after Scotty's body. That's the first point of contact he made. Blew him up into the stands. And then he gets to come back, what, two possessions later. He gets a dunk. He gets to flex and scream. Get that dude out of the game. A common foul. 
That is all you're going to call there. So now people can look at that and say, oh, I guess I can put a guy 12 feet into the stands, 12 feet deep off the court, and it's a common foul. I can brutalize a dude on the court, and it's just one foul. The same way that like a little teensy reach in on a guy who's driving that you accidentally get their forearm and they lose the ball or something, he goes to the free throw line if they're in bonus. It's side out if it's not. That's the same foul in the NBA. Okay. Dude, that's so frustrating. That play was so patently dangerous from a dude who very clearly had intent to do something aggressive, something that was dangerous. You could tell it running up the floor. It looked like every kid I ever saw who had an, and I'm not saying Caleb Martin has an anger problem. I'm not projecting that. I'm just saying the body language of like all the kids you saw who got way too heated in the game and then immediately you saw their brain was like, do something angry, express this anger physically. He chased them down and then pushed them. Oh, dude, I hate that. I really hate that. Protect your players, NBA. And this was an affront to protecting players. You absolutely failed Scotty Barnes in this regard. Ah, man. 104-99, the Raptors lose to the Miami Heat. And uh, in a chippy game somewhat, a game where the Raptors played basically six guys. Justin Champagny played nine minutes, injured his hand, and uh, man, Chris Boucher basically the only guy off the bench. Pascal plays 42, Fred plays 40, Scotty plays 39, Precious plays 36, OG plays 34 basically. Heavy minutes once again. This core seems, of course... For real, they just need a presence off the bench. Chris Boucher absolutely brought in this one. He actually was the the game high. Well, not game high. I don't know. Yeah, game high. Tied with Tyler Hero, 23 points. And yeah, man, he, he was great off the bench. Pascal's passing was immaculate. You know, he finished with 10 assists and zero turnovers. Probably should have had 13 or 14 assists. Scotty missed two dunks. He missed a layup. Fred, I thought, did a pretty good job. You know, as we talked about against the Bucks, where the Bucks are really loading up on him and making it difficult for him to create from the middle of the court because of the length and the ball pressure. We saw Fred in this game. He took 17 shots. 16 of them were threes. He completely went to the back burner and said, Scotty, Pascal, and OG are going to create in this game, and I'm going to be as much of a spacing and off-ball presence as I can be. Six of 16 from three. That's good enough. Like you get 37%. That's good. Would it be great if Fred was able to get into the middle of the defense and make some better plays? Would it have been better if he didn't have more turnovers than assists in this game? Absolutely. But you're dealing with the limitations of a player's game. Limitations he knows. Limitations the Heat know. And honestly, Fred, for what he was able to command in this game, I thought had a pretty good adjustment to start working off ball and try and use his shooting as much as possible. And then with all that said, I mean, Scotty and Pascal, you know, really, really great games from both of them. Scotty should have had more than 20 points. Man, he had a really, for how aggressive these two guys were, the combination of three free throws between the two of them is pretty disheartening. But the passing, especially to one another, was just superb. Um, I've been saying it all year, it was since Pascal came back that, and I actually, you know, in the mailbag, podcast that I recorded yesterday came out today I had said because I you know uh 40 and dunking on Twitter had asked me 
who do you think has the best chemistry with Scotty? And I said, well, it's Pascal. And I, I don't think it's particularly close. Pascal and Scotty have a great synergy offensively. I always thought that the commentary about them, you know, really making each other worse or whatever, I thought that was stupid. They very clearly, they they have a synergy offensively. They lead each other into plays. And just because neither is a lights-out shooter doesn't mean they can't link up for stuff inside the arc. In the first half, there was five high-low feeds from Pascal to Scotty, where Scotty was being so good, so heady on cuts and stuff like that, finding space, and Pascal was commanding attention. They only got two baskets out of it, plus free throws on the one. They should have had five baskets and then end one. Sometimes you don't finish plays. That's all right. Scotty, the process of those plays were fantastic. Not to mention, in the fourth quarter, a huge vote of confidence from Pascal. It's a two-on-one, and Pascal knows, hey, Scotty's going to make a really good decision with the ball. He's such a good passer. He can hit tight windows. He gave the ball up right away to Scotty and then made a beeline for the rim. Scotty, you know, it was a little bit of a mistake on Scotty's part. He didn't get the ball out fast enough. They had to take side out. He should have gotten the ball to Pascal sooner. But that was a vote of confidence from Pascal saying, hey, Rook, you're going to make a great decision with the ball. I'm going to try and finish this play. And if they sit on me, you go dunk the hell out of it. Ended up with a foul inside out. Not great. But that's a vote of confidence. And, the you know, they start out this game, their first two offensive possessions were deliberate post-ups for Scotty. Because he said, Scotty, you have Duncan Robinson on you. Let's see if you can go eat. And he had a bucket. One for two is not so bad on deliberate post-ups. And defensively, Scotty had a lot of positive defensive possessions, whether it was in coverage or just on the ball against Jimmy Butler. He did get cooked by Tyler Hero a couple times. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you know. And also, on that last play where P.J. Tucker got the three-point off, that, that sucked, obviously, yeah, but... It looked like, you know, she talked about it on the broadcast, and I don't want to be too hard on anything because she's around the team, she does incredible work, and she's such a good voice on the broadcast. But she had said that, you know, Chris Boucher was stuck in like a stunt or rotate kind of position. And I thought that Chris Boucher is just supposed to rotate there. Chris Boucher was coming. He was supposed to rotate to the side of the basket that Butler was clearly attacking, which was to his right hand. Pascal was preoccupied, had just lifted, actually, to Bam Adebayo, who had just come up to the 45. So Boucher was in the best position to contest a rim run. He has to make that rotation. The problem was that not only Scotty let the blow-by come with Butler, but Scotty just hung out in no man's land. As soon as that came, and as soon as Boucher started rotating, Scotty should have abandoned Butler and rotated to the corner where Tucker eventually took the shot. That is what the Raptors do a lot of the time. That would have been the smartest rotation to make. And Boucher, I don't think it was his call to make. He was absolutely a necessity at the rim there. He made the correct rotation. Scotty didn't do anything. He didn't even trail Butler to crowd him from behind or do anything like that. He took like three steps into the paint and then watched the play happen. But I don't like Scotty had a good defensive game, but that play was not an indictment of Boucher. And, and certainly, Amy didn't paint it like that. I just know that a lot of people would have heard that phrasing. But I don't think that was Boucher's decision to make. I think that, you know, because Pascal would have had to come across the whole face of the paint. Definitely, you know, he probably would have fouled Butler or not been able to put up a good contest. Boucher had to make that rotation because they were down. It wasn't like they were down one. It wasn't like they were tied. It wasn't like anything like that. They're down three. 
they can't let a three go in or a two. They have to contest everything. And so, yeah, Scotty should have made that rotation to the corner. That's how I feel about that last play. So, yeah, that was too bad from Scotty. But, I mean, as far as process, I thought that this was a really, really great game for Scotty. The cutting offensively, a lot of the passes that he made, super crisp. He didn't hit shots that he usually hits. I mean, he missed two dunks, you know? That's not going to happen every game. He's athletic. He has a good bounce. He has long arms. He's going to finish those. Hit two big threes. Made great reads in transition, except for the one I talked about already. And just overall, you know, a, a really good game process-wise. Six of 18 is not what you're looking for from anybody ever. But I got to tell you, the process I thought was phenomenal in this game for Scotty. He plays like this in more games. It's going to look better than 16, 8, and 6 a lot of the time, you know, and, and the defensive gaff at the end there, you know, guarding Jimmy Butler is really hard. And they had just, you know, Fred, I think was commanding. They were having some communication stuff on the screen because it looked like Scotty tried to ice the screen. That's why like Jimmy just went unimpeded right into the middle of the lane. And so that's the thing, like Scotty, did he just give up on the play? Absolutely not. Like there's a miscommunication there. And, you know, when you're looking at guys who have been on the team longer and guys who are coaching him through stuff, you're expecting it probably comes from Scotty rather than them. But whatever. Yeah, that's how I felt about Scotty. We once again saw the Raptors go to OG with a lot of possessions. And that was because in this game, you know, I already talked about Fred and the diminishing return of a lot of his possessions on ball. And so the Raptors moved away from that. They went to Pascal, who in the first half, he might have had eight assists. It could have been like 12. And over the game, he probably could add 14 or 15 assists in this one. He had no turnovers. Pascal, not the problem on either end of the floor. I'll talk about that at the back end. But basically, Pascal was getting crowded in the lanes after they adjusted to going Pascal on ball, not Fred. Pascal was starting to get crowded. So they, once again, the same way they did against the Bucks, they go to those OG weak side, or sorry, strong side, empty side, pick and roll actions or empty side isolations, try and let them work. In this game, It did not work very well. You know, 5 of 14 from the floor, only two assists, three turnovers. It's a tough look. Them's the breaks, but this is all part of growing. If the Raptors had, you know, a bench, this stuff would probably look different. Like, it really, really would, right? This stuff would definitely, it would look better. And especially games against, like, Detroit, losses to Miami wouldn't matter as much. Losses to the Suns wouldn't matter as much if the Raptors beat the teams like Detroit. And a good bench, or even a mediocre bench, not the worst bench in the league, would go so far to help them in those games. So that these games, I mean, yeah, you you battle like hell. You try and beat the Heat, especially when, man, the whistle is swallowed. And, and both ways, right? Like the Heat had to battle through a lot of contact on the other end too. You, but that means that it's a battle, and the Raptors short-staffed all the time. If every game is a slog against one of, like every second game is against one of the NBA's best, and you have to play 42 minutes, and you have to battle like hell, the games against Detroit, you might walk in there and say, I kind of just want to chill and win a game. Hopefully, Svi hits, you know, three threes for the first time this season, because he has not hit more than two threes in a game. My God, Svi, please, something, Flynn, something, Banton, something. Utah, get healthy because you don't look right. You know, it's just this kind of stuff. And Gary, you know, once he comes back, that'll help a lot. But 
that's the thing is they just are so thin. The margins, razor, razor thin. They have to play so big. The shot creation, it lays so heavily on Pascal, on Scotty, on Fred, on OG. And in this game, it did come up a little bit short. And they, they didn't have those easy transitional lineups where a guy comes in and runs seven pick and rolls and you get like, you know, a dunk and a couple threes out of it or something like that. They just never had it easy. Not for a second. And, you know, Chris Boucher did just a hell of a job off the bench. The two blocks, 23 and 10. As I have said, I've been saying, people listen to the Reaction Podcast, as per usual, are way ahead of the curve compared to everybody else. You know, if you listen to the Reaction Podcast, you're just going to know more about the Raptors. And you're going to know it earlier. So keep listening, please. But Chris Boucher has been so good. Now, I've been saying for a month, now it's, you know, a month and a half. He's been better than the average, you know, bench big in the NBA by far. He, he had that, like, what, 28-19 or 28-20 and 20 game, however, like a couple weeks ago. He's been giving you double digits basically every night. Super, super competitive on the defensive end with his length. The rotations have been better. He's been finishing. I mean, my God, he's starting to hit threes. He, he's a really good bench big at this point in time. And the compete level is off the charts. But overall, the bench just in a really tough spot. Justin Champagny, man, I hope you get better soon, man. Uh, look, he hurt his hand, obviously, it looked like. And yeah, uh, Precious deserves a lot of love, too. I thought the defense was really strong in this game. I mean, when isn't it, right? Precious's defense has been a strong suit all season. The offense, you know, the decision-making was bankrupt in this one. Super, super poor decision-making. And offensively, he offered very little to the Raptors. If he got the ball around the bucket, it you know, he had one good play around the bucket. He made a Corey cut on uh, one of Siakam's drives, and then he had a really huge dunk. That was awesome to see. But there was that possession at the end of the quarter where he was dribbling for like eight seconds and didn't pass to anybody and took a, you know, a super contested three. And it's like, Precious, I get you have to develop offensively, but that type of shot will never be in your game. The type of development you need offensively isn't confidence. Isn't It isn't like, oh yeah, we need to indulge in his confidence. You can't teach confidence. That's fine. Be confident. But there's like three, there's a lot of confident players in the NBA and there's like three players who would do what he did on that possession. That isn't confidence. That is bankrupt decision-making. That isn't good. Okay, so like Steph Curry gets to try that out. Other players of that ilk get to try that out. Precious Achua needs to learn how to cut and be confident as a cutter and be confident going up at the rim. That's the thing. This isn't just like confidence. You have to <laughs> be confident going up at the rim then, Precious. When you get the ball eight or seven feet from the bucket, work on your push shot in the gym and then be confident going to a push shot. Don't be confident dribbling for eight seconds at the end of the shot clock and then trying to shoot over three guys when you're off balance and then slamming it off the glass. That can't be what your offensive process is. All that being said, another superb defensive game. So I, like as, I've, as I said, even in the mailbag podcast, I was like, well, you know, if, if I have to choose like two bigs to roll with that aren't, you know, one of Pascal or Scotty, it's Precious and Boucher right now. I think they both have been outplaying Birch for a hefty amount of time. Well over, like into the double digits of games recently. They've been outplaying Birch. So I, I certainly don't want to move on from Precious. I just am like, wow, some of the decision making. 
I would like to improve. The six offensive boards, really nice. Sometimes he has to be able to pass out afterwards. He, he really, he looks at three guys, and when he's like within three feet of the bucket, he thinks he can get everything there. And that, you know, that is the, that's again, like that confidence interface. You can't be just from three feet and like, I'll dunk everything. And clearly, you know, 44% true shooting, one of the worst shooting bigs on that volume, like ever, you can't think you're the guy. And also be like, well, I, I can't shoot from eight feet. I can't do that. And then once again, that confidence checks back in from three-point land after, you know, seven dribbles or something. It's just tough to see. And then Pascal. Pascal was incredible. Nine of 20, obviously not super great. 18 points on, I guess, well, considering there's no turnovers and no free throws, 18 points on 20 used possessions is not that bad especially against a really keyed in Miami defense and a really nice defensive performance from Miami tonight. And the fact that, you know, defensively, Pascal, I wouldn't be opposed to saying he was the most impactful defender on the four tonight. Rotations, steals, contests, you know, switching out onto guys on the perimeter. He was so good on that end. He knew the Raptors needed some rim pressure. So he worked tirelessly to get himself in the vicinity of the basket, either to punch through a gap and try and finish or to draw a double or even a triple and find the guy under the basket. As I talked about earlier, a lot of times that was Scotty. A couple other times, other players. And then recognizing Fred because they have a wonderful mind meld, those two players. I love, love the way they fit together. And I love the way Scotty and Pascal fit together. You know, Pascal's playmaking this game, 10 assists. I really wonder what the potential assists in this game would have been. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I imagine it's quite high. And especially like high quality looks too. You give guys layups, you're, you're a winner in my book anyway. But yeah, zero turnovers against this hounding heat defense. That, that decision making, that manipulation is so, so good. And especially since he was the only player giving them anything on the inside of the arc. OG, two shots made inside the arc. Scotty, four. And a couple in transition, right? Pascal, nine inside the arc. And Fred, one inside the arc. That, and, and obviously Chris Boucher, five as well. But that's, you know, Chris Boucher, as I talked about, providing a line to the rim, a rim runner, doing so many good things. But man, Pascal, he's just, the form he's been in, 18, 6, and 10, and 5, actually, and a block, is actually an underwhelming stat line for how well he played in this game. It, he, was, he was immense. He, he's just in, he's in superstar mode. He continues to be incredible. I, man, I really continue to just love Pascal's run of form because it's super, super impressive. So the uh, Reggie Evans Award, I'm going to Precious Sachua. You know, I, I ragged on the offensive decision-making. And yeah, it deserves to be ragged on. It's really, really bad at times. But there is, the the commitment is palpable. The, you know, impact on the boards is palpable. That is a dude who is trying. I may not like everything that he tries to do, but he's trying and he's succeeding at a lot of the hustle plays and at a lot of the defensive plays. So yeah, Reggie Evans Award to Precious Achua. Top quick reaction comment is from Niagara underscore dude. Quote, very entertaining game, and it showed we need a bench. 
Scotty making some rookie mistakes. Easy, the kid is not healthy and only 20 years old. As for the game, I thought our starters were better than their starters. The only difference tonight was the Heat have a bench and their bench players made shots and plays. Butler got rest to start the fourth and Nurse could not afford any extended rest for our starters. Time for management to step up and make a couple of deals or deal. Yeah, to add quality bench depth, end quote. Yeah, that's uh, the Raptors starters outplay everybody every single game. The Raptors starters, when they have OG, Pascal, and Fred on the floor, they're just winning minutes. They win their minutes. They make sure, okay, we're coming out in the positive. They're, they're winners. They're really good players. And it takes a really, really horrible effort from the bench to lose those minutes or just like a weirdo game from hell. Something That's what the Detroit game was, right? That was an absolutely, that is a weirdo game. But the Raptors starters, basically, they just win their minutes all the time. The bench is broken right now. Absolutely it is. And Nick Nurse knows that. We are in January. What some refer to as the doldrums of the season. And, you know, maybe that's March. Maybe that's April. If you're, you know, not, if you have an assured playoff spot, whatever. We're in January. And Nick Nurse is playing these guys 40 minutes a game every single night on back-to-backs, days off, whatever. They are playing over 40. They need a bench. <sighs> and I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Masai is going to bet on this group to surround guys with. I don't know if he's going to move future assets. I don't know what he's if he's going to consolidate end of bench guys and try and turn them into an actual rotation piece. I don't know if those guys could generate that type of interest or that type of return. I have no idea what's going to happen with that. But these guys are being run ragged. They compete every night like hell. And yeah, it's, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. But uh, thanks for writing in Niagara underscore dude, or just Niagara dude. You know, we're friends. We know each other like that. So <laughs> uh, listener, I hope you enjoyed listening. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day. Don't push people from behind when they're about to dunk. And goodbye. <laughs>